This is Canvas, a show all about iPad productivity. My name is Fraser Spears, and I am joined once again by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Fraser. How are you? I have felt better, but I understand that you are feeling better, so we were, I, I we're back together. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I wanted to say uh, I've missed the show, but you and David, uh, you did a fantastic job uh, with, the, with the last episode. So thank you for filling up for me. And I'm sorry that you're not feeling well this time. I feel like we're sort of exchanging roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, there's a little extra bass in my voice today because uh, it's the end of term and the classic teacher problem is as soon as the end of term hits, your body just collapses with the, with the lack of stress and worry and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's where I am today, but it's been okay. We're on holiday, so it's not all bad. So what do you want to talk about today? Well, I want to do a quick update, if that's okay. Um, two shows ago, we talked about the uh, Barefoot College iPad project that I'm trying to raise money for. Mm-hmm. So for people who have are new to the show since two shows ago, the basic idea is that I'm trying to raise some money uh, to buy out the lease, the, the remainder of the lease for the iPads that we have at our school and send them to an organization called the Barefoot College in India. And the Barefoot College is an organization that trains women to be solar engineers, to build uh, lighting, heating, cooking, uh, solar-powered facilities for their villages and for their families. And they, they teach them to build them themselves. It's not just a kit. They actually tra- train them with sort of uh, electronic engineering skills. So uh, the iPads are a big help in the education side of that. And we're... We are basically over 80% funded already. So when we, we started two shows ago, so over the course of the last, the week before WWDC and then now, uh, we've basically got up to over 80% of what we need to get. So if people want to still donate to that, donations are very welcome. I, I spoke to the folks in India recently and they said that the number one kind of extra request they had was to send more lightning cables because those things just never survive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, so a big crate of lightning cables and a couple of iPads. That's a, that's how it works. Um, so the way what's happened in the meantime is that the, the leasing company has very generously offered us a cut in the amount of money we need to raise to buy out the equipment. So uh, although the crowdfunding page doesn't look like it, uh, the amount we have to raise is less. So we're closer to the target than it looks on the website. It's just that once you've started your campaign, you can't reduce the amount you need to get. It's got to stay the way it was when you launched. So... Uh, we are going to make it. I'm fairly confident that within the next week we will be there. But if anybody wants to support that, we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. So for today's show, uh, we thought we wanted to talk about calendars. And, you know, many of us, uh, we live and die by, by our calendars. And it's it's one of those features of iOS that everybody, to an extent, uses. Uh, casual users, power users, iPhone, iPad users, doesn't matter chances are you, you have an event on your calendar and the digital calendar in your pocket has been an imp- really an important use case for uh, professionals for a long time. And there's a lot of options on iOS, uh, whether you're, you're using the stock calendar app on your iPhone or a third-party calendar app on your iPad. It doesn't matter. There's a really a ton of options on the App Store. But even on the system-provided Uh, calendar app and the system framework, I feel like there's quite a bit of things to discover. And I thought we could explore all of these options and features for today's show. Okay, sounds good. So let me just throw out there some of the uh, sort of the understanding part of this, if you like, because the calendar is very different on iOS than many other things in the sense that there is a built-in what they call a framework on iOS, a, a system level service that uh, multiple applications can talk to. It's called, I think it's called Event Kit, actually. Yes. But basically, the idea is that there's a central database of events, and 
there's an API that apps can talk to to read of what events you have in this database and to put new ones in. And what that means is that you can have actually multiple calendar apps on any device and they can all uh, read and write all of your diary events. Uh, and this also includes things like syncing to iCloud and so on. So it's it's very, very easy for, for you to use multiple calendars and very easy to switch between them as well. So if you want to try out a calendar, you just install it, fire it up, give access to your calendars. There's a, there's a permission dialogue that you have to give, obviously. But once you do that, then um, all your events will appear in your, in your new calendar. So the, the transition cost of moving to a new calendar or even just trying one out is very, very low. So it's a, it's a really nice uh, n- design. And we talked, when we talked about the email show, uh, we talked about how that doesn't really exist for mail. So you've got to kind of connect each mail client to your server and then download copies of whatever you want there. But with calendar, it's one database and all the different calendar apps are all clients of that database. So it's a really nice way to uh, get some experience with third-party apps without too much risk. Right, because even if calendar uh, and, and mail share the same uh, account configuration in the, in the, in the settings, uh, there's only a, f- a system framework for calendar. There's no framework for email, which makes yeah. calendar on iOS much more flexible in a way because you can just configure one type of, ac- of account, and this applies to iCloud, Google Calendar, Exchange, and even CalDAV is uh, supported on iOS. And then once you configure the account, it's a system-level framework and API, so you can, you can use the system app, the, the app calendar app but you're also free to uh, to switch to any other uh, calendar application as, as 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 long as it talks to the system framework which you know in a way is similar is similar to the way that you can for example configure your twitter account in the settings and then mm-hmm. any twitter client can talk to your twitter account and it's really it's the same system for calendar which makes it really low friction to move from one app to the to another yeah, and, and what it's quite common, I would say, on iOS for people to use different apps for different features. Like some apps are really good at um, you know, getting a, a new appointment into your calendar, but then uh, another app might have a better week view, for example, or a better agenda view or something like that. And it's quite common for people to use multiple or to use one kind of app on your phone where it's all about really capturing and, and quick information and another app on your iPad, which is much more kind of about looking at the longer range calendar that you may be interested in as well. So mixing and matching is is perfectly normal and yep. perfectly safe thing to do with calendars and iOS. Yeah, and one of the one of the aspects of uh, EventKit, the, the framework, is that besides calendars, it also supports reminders. So in, in the framework, they're treated as two parts of the same framework. And with this API, apps can not only create events and reminders, but they can also edit them and they can delete them. And in the framework, there is support for uh, different pieces of metadata for each uh, calendar event. So for example, apps can set alarms or uh, they can provide recurring dates uh, if there's an event that you know repeats over time. And apps can also listen to changes in the background. And as soon as they see, uh, for example, that uh, an event has been updated or that there's a change to an event, they can, for example, fire off a push notification or a local notification and inform you of the changes. So it's really quite flexible. There's uh, some improvements coming for developers in iOS 10, especially when it comes to date formatting and date calculations. So, you know, good stuff for EventKit, especially if you're a developer. If you're a user, there's a few other things to consider. For example, creating events. Yeah, do, do this, we is, want this to, is obviously the main thing, isn't it? Do we want to talk about the Apple interface for creating events? Uh, some, sometimes uh, the purpose of your life is to be a warning to others, right? <laughs> yes, Let, let's adopt this strategy. So I feel like 
from my personal point of view, the it's probably the weakest point of the of calendar on iOS, the framework and the the calendar app, the system interface for creating events, it's not really fast. It takes way too many taps, and yes, it's full featured. There's a lot of options, but after using uh, you know apps like Fantastical, for example, mm-hmm. it it really it's really annoying to create events in the in the Apple Calendar app. Yeah, it is very very slow, and, and partly that's because you've got to tap to reveal controls that you always need whenever you're putting a, when you're putting an event in, such as uh, popping open the date and time picker. <laughs> you're like, well, yep. why is that? Why is that an extra tap? Well, you always want to change the date and time, right? So, um, what I'm often looking for when I'm looking for calendar apps, I'm looking for fast creation of events, particularly for a calendar app that's on my phone, because that's where I'm standing in front of somebody putting something into my calendar, and it's, it's got to be done pretty fast. On the iPad, I'm much more looking for you know a good visualization of how busy I am over the week, right? Because, you know, I'm a teacher, right? And and my week is very, very, very scheduled, right? I've got classes that I cannot avoid and I cannot miss and, and, and they've got to be there. So what I'm looking for is for views of how busy I am versus where my free blocks are. Whereas other people who are maybe not quite so calendar driven might be looking more for things to do with alerts, things to do with uh, travel time and things like that. I think that's a, a, an interesting feature we'll talk about from certain apps, uh, the ability to put in locations for events and then for people to compute the travel time for you. Uh, but for me, the data entry on, on the Apple calendar is probably, not only is it possibly it's the weakest part of the calendar, but it may actually be one of the worst parts of iOS in general <laughs> um, in terms of just how how many fields there are, how slow it is to go through them, and particularly if you're using an external keyboard on the iPad, how illogically the the cursor jumps between different fields as you hit tab. It just doesn't go down nicely from top to bottom. Yeah, I feel like, um, I mean, there's a lot of options, um, and and I suppose that most people are okay with the Apple Calendar interface, but for example, uh, I'm also looking for fast event creation on my iPhone, because maybe, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, a, I'm talking to someone and then I need to jot down an event in a couple of seconds, and I've gotten used to be able to say, uh, you know, to be able to type in Fantastical, for example, um, meeting with Fraser at 2 p.m. and you know this natural language sentence I don't have to scroll you know a date picker and a time picker I can just write down in normal English as I would always do Uh, and instead in the Apple Calendar app you need to tap and reveal options and slide and swipe it's really kind of slow and there's one there's one detail that I appreciate in the in the Apple uh, event creation UI, which mm-hmm. is when you want to assign a location to to an event, there's a list of common locations that you've previously used. So if you have events that have a location assigned, uh, once you tap into the location field in the Apple uh, calendar uh, event creation interface, you can see this list and you don't need to type an address every time. You can just tap once and you can choose from this uh, recent uh, list, which is nice. It's a nice time saver. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the newer features in Calendar and one of the better done features, I think, as well. And you can also, once you've got a location in there, you can have, it will sort of shade out the travel time for you as well. So you can see, yep. you know, the, the event maybe starts at 2 p.m., but it's going to take me 45 minutes to drive there, you know, so it'll shade out the 45 minutes preceding the event as well, because at that point you should obviously be in your car getting ready for, uh, or trying to go there. So I, I've started using that more and more, actually, for the things where I do have to travel. Uh, just so that I'm not over optimistic about how fast they can go. Yeah, um, 
I feel like I need to have a disclaimer at this point. I'm not as much as a of a calendar powered user as you are. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have a lot of events, mostly because I work from home. So my events are either like Skype calls, uh, you know, for recording podcasts, for example, <laughs> or occasionally I have events the places that I need to be. But I'm more of a to do list uh, user rather than a calendar mm-hmm. user. But uh, that said, I I do. You mentioned that you use WeekView because you need to be able to have a sort of a glanceable information of all of your appointments. And I I have to say that I also use WeekView, uh, especially on my iPad. But lately, as I'll mention as I'll mention in a, in a few minutes, I've also kind of become of a fan of WeekView on the iPhone. Uh, it's not as good as on the iPad because, of course, on the iPad it's got this much bigger screen. You can see a lot more. Uh, but even on the iPhone, I find myself preferring WeekView whenever possible. Um, and I also need to point out that I do have a shared calendar with my girlfriend, but we don't really use it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the only shared calendar that I have. I used to have shared calendars in the past with my MacStories colleagues and with uh, the Relay FM uh, people. But I feel like, especially for Mac Stories, uh, it works much better as a collaborative to-do list rather than a calendar. Uh, just because we we deal more often with tasks rather that rather than events or appointments. Um, yeah, because because that's the situation where the deadlines aren't absolutely as hard as yeah. they perhaps are for a teacher. You know, at nine a.m. I need to be in front of that class and I need to be in that classroom. So uh, non-negotiable. Honestly, I think that's one of the things that harmed the Apple Watch in its early introduction was the fact that they gave it to people who work from home and write <laughs> for a living. Um, <laughs> because I personally feel that with the Apple Watch, that one of the things that it is absolutely strongest at is putting my calendar on my wrist. And as soon as I flick my wrist up, I can see where I'm going next. And to me, that's made the Apple Watch indispensable. But I think Apple maybe missed a trick in giving it to too many people who didn't really use their diary all that much. Uh, so they, they didn't cotton on to that you know, really powerful feature of the Apple Watch. So... Uh, yeah, I, that's my pitch for a review unit for the next <laughs> model. <laughs> uh, I wanna, I wanna go back uh, to to the travel time notifications mm-hmm. uh, because this is one of those features that I've used a lot and I've run a lot of tests and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why. So we, me and my girlfriend, every week we drive to this uh, small town uh, that's exactly in between Rome, which is where we live, and Viterbo, which is our hometown. We need to go there because my girlfriend uh, teaches uh, a dance class, and every week we need to be there at a specific time, um, from September to June, basically. And I've tried both the Apple travel time system and the Google Calendar system with the Google app on iOS. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I've discovered is that I don't know if it's a cultural thing or if it's a if it's a problem with the data that Apple has about traffic and location, mm-hmm. but every single time for several months the Apple Calendar wanted me to leave way way early. Uh, to the point where if I were to follow the directions of the Apple calendar uh, with the travel time notification, I would have been there like an hour earlier than, than I needed to be at, at this location. Okay. Um, instead, since I switched to Google Calendar, because last year I moved from iCloud Calendar to, to Google Calendar, um, the only reason that I keep the Google app, so it's the Google search app, the basic one, the mm. only reason that I keep it installed, it's because it can look into your Google Calendar account and it can send you uh, time to leave notifications. And with these notifications, 
thanks to, I assume, thanks to Google Maps or thanks to Waze, which is also owned by Google and it's super popular uh, here in Italy. The time to leave notifications are super, extremely accurate to the minute, really. Um, mm. When Google tells me it's time to leave in 15 minutes, I know that it's, it calculates the kind of time that it'll require me to drive there and be there like five minutes earlier, which is ac acceptable for me, you know, because my girlfriend as a teacher wants to be in class five to 10 minutes before, which makes sense. Uh, so um, I have to say uh, the Google app, Google Calendar and time to leave notifications, they've been very accurate for me. And it's really one, I would say, possibly my f my favorite feature uh, in the in Google Calendar and the Google app on iOS. And I would really like to see Apple get better at this. And some people have speculated that maybe it's a cultural difference uh, between Apple, which is an American company and wants you to be there earlier. But mm -hmm. I, I don't really buy that because Google is also an American company. And I don't feel like there's a difference between showing up at an event like an hour before. That seems unnecessary. It's not polite. That seems like a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it's a, a cultural thing as, as much as perhaps a personality thing because I like you I, I've used both and I find the, the Apple one sort of tells me what I already knew right so if I'm going to drive from Greenwich to Glasgow then it's going to take me 40 minutes pretty much at any time of day that's not peak time and I know that and then Apple Apple calendar comes up and tells me that when I'm just about to leave anyway right but what I find with the Google one from from my sort of taste in, in scheduling is that um, the last time I used it, I was in Vienna and, and it had my it had worked out from my flight ticket uh, back to where I'm staying and so on and so on. Basically, I was sitting on the airport train ready to go to the airport when it popped up and said time to leave. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was actually, you know, 45 minutes to an hour ahead of the Google calendar. So uh, I, I, I think what I, what I feel about both the Apple system and the Google system is there should be some preferences for how you like to travel. Right. Right. You know, the, if I want to be there really early, that's great. So tell me that because I've given you my preference. And if you want to be there five minutes ahead, then schedule it that way. It's, it's not that hard to, you know, to put in a couple of preferences for that. Just, you know, I want to be very relaxed. I want to be just on time. I, I want suppose, to be very relaxed. That's <laughs> best option. <laughs> yeah, that's that's me. I'm, I'm uh, two hours before a guy at the airport, so. Yeah, a little more preference in there and a little, just a little more understanding of what it's doing would probably be helpful as well. So what do you say we talk about some third-party calendar app options instead of the system one? Sounds good. Sounds good. I think um, there, this is one of these areas in iOS where I think we're kind of, again, embarrassed by riches. This is a little bit like the, the mail clients discussion, except that it's actually a lot easier to live with a third-party calendar app as your main calendar app. Uh, because it can connect into this database it can it basically acts it has almost all in fact possibly all of the same access that the apple calendar system has except for the ability to put the actual date on the icon which is a, a feature reserved for the apple calendar app but these other apps we're going to talk about are really really great too so let's get into it so my favorite one, uh, and it's been for, for the past few years, really, it's Fantastical. Uh, it's the original app with natural language uh, processing, which is what I mentioned earlier. Uh, in Fantastical, you can just uh, type out an event uh, with all the pieces of metadata that you want. So, for example, you can say, uh, launch with Mike at 1 p.m. on Thursday, and rather than having to scroll and tap and swipe like in the calendar app, uh, the text that you write will fly out in with a very cute animation in all of the respective fields uh, because Fantastical will parse your uh, 
natural language command and it'll know that it needs to take out the time portion the the day uh, and the date for example and the title of the event will just be lunch with mike so you won't be you know at 9 p.m or whatever and it, and it's really nice and i feel like this option of uh, this feature of fantastical is still uh you know, it sets it apart from the competition, and it's uh, it, it also helps that it's a super polished piece of software. Uh, it's the design is very nice. There's a very peculiar uh, interface called the day ticker at the top, which is this scrollable list of days that uh, for each day it shows you a preview of all of the events that you have coming up. And it's also you know it's one of the the few apps that combines reminders and calendars. Uh, very very nicely uh, you can also uh, create reminders with natural language and another option that I appreciated when I was in San Francisco for WWDC is the time zone override setting which is literally just a switch that you tap uh, so you can say look I'm in San Francisco now show me all of my events with the San Francisco time zone uh, you can search you can activate it and you're done super easy super simple and there's a, also a ton of options for uh, power users for example, there's a text expander support for snippets. There's a, the ability to use a URL scheme for automation. So you can create uh, events or reminders with uh, from other apps, such as uh, editorial, Pythonista, or Workflow, or Drafts, which is also very popular. Uh, you can highlight weekends. There's really just the right amount of settings and controls, which makes Fantastical, uh, I would say, the most polished, the, the, the right combination of polish and uh, settings for power users. Uh, combined with the, the with the natural language support, it, it makes it, uh, I would say, the, 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 probably the best uh, third-party calendar app on, on iOS. One of the things you can do with Fantastical is you can actually use it as a parsing system for dates and times, I think. when you, In your automation, you don't actually have to put something in the calendar. You can just have it send it back to you, is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. You can just uh, you can you can do all kinds of calculations for 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 dates on days. You can also convert. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can also convert time zones, and you can say, for mm -hmm. example, uh, this happened to me in the past, where a developer tells me, uh, "Look, my my review is going to be uh, my app is going to be out at uh, 10 p.m. New York time, and if you want to have a review, uh, you need to you need to be you need to have the embargo at 10." p.m. New York time. And in Fantastical, I can just write uh, post the review 10 p.m. Eastern and Fantastical will know what it means and it will automatically convert that time zone to my Italian time zone so I don't have to do the calculation myself. It's really nice. Okay, so another calendar app that I've used quite a lot in the past is Calendars by Riedel. And I think we, we tend to talk about Riedel apps in the show quite a lot, but this is a very good one. Uh, and Calendars is basically a how can I describe it? It's kind of a, a very solid re-implementation of Apple's calendar. So it does the kind of things you would expect. You've got day, list, month, and actually year view as well, I think, in calendars. Uh, and the thing that is quite powerful about calendars is that it has a very nice integration with the tasks aspect that you talked about before with to-do lists and so on. So you can actually integrate both of those things together in the one interface, which is, is quite nice. Um, it also has a form of natural language input for, for its tasks, but I found it not to be perhaps quite as accurate or powerful as, as Fantastical's. In particular, the one thing that always catches me out is uh, I, I do this where you know, you're on the phone with somebody and you, and you make an arrangement and then you put it in your calendar and you see you know, coffee with Andrew or whatever and Andrew has already got 
an appointment in his calendar and then you put it in and it tries to send uh, it tries to send a, a notification or, or an invitation to Andrew as well and you've already kind of made that arrangement so you don't want that to happen so uh, calendars are a little aggressive in sending notifications but um, that's that's the way it goes so a new a relatively new entry in the in the third party calendar space on iOS is called Time Page and it's made by um what's the name of the company that makes the notebooks uh, Moleskin um, Moleskin yeah yeah and uh, it's from those guys and they they made this calendar app uh Time Page and it's I have to say it's probably one of the most impressive iPhone apps not just calendar apps but iPhone apps that I've tried in a long time the level of elegance and polish and the, the the use of gestures and animations it reminds me of the of the old days of iPhone apps when uh, you could be surprised you could be you know delighted by the use of gestures and the use of multi-touch and time page sort of brings back that feeling um, the use of transitions and and you know the animations the way that the interface pops and moves uh, it's really it's really beautiful to look at and the default view the default view of time page is called the timeline and it's a, a list of uh, a list of seven days for you know the upcoming week and on each day you can tap and it opens this different full screen view with a list of events for that day and it also shows you the weather for that day then you can tap on an event and it opens this other view uh, that has a uh, the time details, uh, the location with a with a with an inline um, map view from from Apple Maps, uh, and it also tells you uh, the time that you have free between events on the same day. So, for example, right now I'm looking at an event for Friday, and it tells me you have three hours free uh, after this until the next event, which is very nice. And also uh, for each event, it tells you the weather conditions for the location where the event is. Uh, is taking place at um, you can invite people and uh, you know you can set up uh, re- alarms and repeat dates uh, but what makes time page unique is really the design uh, and the animations the way that the interface slides and moves and suggests you you can tap here to go there uh, it's really well done and and I'm a really one of my favorite aspects of the app is the month view, which uh, you can access by swiping to the right. It opens this sidebar on the left, and at the bottom you can see all of the uh, there's uh, indicators like colored uh, dots for each calendar that you've added to the app. You can tap and hold on these dots, and it opens with this uh, this sort of coming to the foreground uh, bigger versions of these dots, and without lifting the finger off the screen, you can just slide across to highlight events for each calendar at the top it's it's trickier to describe in words but once you see the once you see it in practice it makes total sense and it's one of the most clever interactions that i've seen on ios in a long time um Time page is a very peculiar interface. It doesn't it doesn't conform to basically any standard of the <laughs> iOS uh, iOS interface guidelines, but it works. It's a very custom calendar application. It doesn't have an iPad client yet, but it's got a watch app. It's also solid, but it, really the main experience is on the iPhone. Um, it doesn't have a lot of advanced features. For example, there's no search. There's no way to duplicate events. Um, copy and paste is very limited. And there's no automation stuff. But if you're looking for a new, a new kind of experience with a, with a very original design, uh, with a very fun design, I know that making calendars fun is not 
probably uh, <laughs> one of the high priorities for a lot of people, but it's really fun to use. And uh, even if you just appreciate a well-designed uh, iOS app, uh, you got to take a look at TimePage. It's really well done. That sounds like a really interesting app to get a, to get a look at. I hadn't heard of that before until you put it in the show notes, but I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah, it's very nice. Cool. I'm going to take a break, Federico, and talk to you about a new sponsor for the show. All right. Uh, and this is very current because uh, Swift programming is all over the news and all over uh, all over our iOS 10 iPads and so on. Uh, Apple has obviously made a big push with Swift programming and learning Swift programming on iPads uh, as well. Uh, so the sponsor this week is Tap Coding. Now, Tap Coding is a brand new app that's designed to help you learn Swift programming on your iPad or your iPhone. And it's not a... It's not a competitor to Swift Playgrounds as such. Uh, Swift Playgrounds is very much its own thing. But this is a, a kind of tutorial app that it has bite-sized lessons that guide you through the concepts of becoming a Swift programmer, basically. Uh, and the lessons you'll find in tap coding sort of add up to about the size of a programming book. But the thing is, it's not like a book, because with the best will in the world, some programming books can be a little bit boring. So tap coding is built upon interactive exercises, so what you do is you have code building exercises where you read a little bit of information about how Swift works and how the, how the code works. And then you build up lines of code, statements in the language, if you like, one chunk at a time with a sort of drag and drop interface. So across the bottom of the screen, you, you get uh, different parts that might be in the statement and you have to drag them in the right order to assemble a correct statement, for example, to create a variable where you would say var name of the variable equals the value for example, and then you can test yourself to see if you, if you got it in the right order and so on. And so really what I'm saying here is that the method of learning resembles the actual process of coding, so you're assembling statements in the language as part of your learning as you go through. So the curriculum that comes with the app is includes courses ranging from basically complete beginner to intermediate skill levels, and these are all unlocked via an in-app purchase inside the app. Uh, but you can also, if, if you're good at it, you can also unlock the entire intro course for free. I think this is a really cool idea. If you if you come back every day to maintain what they call in the app a learning streak, you can eventually unlock the whole. Yeah. So it's like it's that terrible gamification that's done for yeah, evil purposes in, in games is done for uh, the good of learning in, inside tap coding, which I think is really nice. Uh, I was able to have a look at tap coding just before WWDC and I was interested to see how this was going to fit in alongside Swift Playgrounds. But the way that Swift Playgrounds is written, it's very much written for learners around the ages of 11 to 14, at least in terms of Apple's content that comes in Swift Playgrounds. I think tap coding really sits just a little bit above that. So the, the writing level and, and the... Uh, the way that you're presented with the information is a little bit higher level in those ages. So if you're maybe 15, 18, 20, uh, or if you maybe have some programming experience before, uh, the way that the language is presented in tap coding, I think is, is one of the nicer ways that I've seen it done. Uh, you get a range of exercises, including the drag and drop assembly, multiple choice quizzes, and also you get the opportunity to write your own Swift code and, and get that tested as well. So you get the feel for how it feels to write out statements in the language as well. It's just uh, drag and drop them together as well. So I think it actually fits really nicely together with Swift Playgrounds. And of course, with the launch of Swift Playgrounds, iPad is really becoming an amazing resource for learning Swift. And if you've decided to dive into programming, tap coding really is superb as a standalone curriculum and as a great complement to Swift Playgrounds. So if you check out tapcoding.com or search Learn Swift on the App Store, you'll find tap coding in the results there. Thank you so much to Tap Coding for sponsoring this show. It's a really great sponsor. I'm happy that these guys yeah. are a sponsor in Canvas. It's a really great app. Um, the next step that I want to mention for Calendars, Fraser, uh, 
it's not really so I'm moving from time page which is gorgeous to look at to an app that's not really <laughs> not really the best looking <laughs> one of the bunch uh, it's called week calendar uh, it's been around for a long time in fact I remember talking about uh, week calendar on Mac stories back in 2010 six years ago right. uh, and it's uh, and I'm pretty sure it's always been the same app constantly <laughs> updated from the from the developers mm. Um the thing, the thing about Week Calendar is that it's it's packed with options and preferences. So to draw a parallel here, uh, think of to do and all of the options that you having to do as a task mm-hmm. manager. Well, Week Calendar is the to do of calendar apps on iOS. You can configure everything about the app. Uh, any, uh, it's even too long of a list to mention. Any feature, any design up, any design view, any 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 preference really you can <laughs> modify, uh, which can be a little too much for mm-hmm. some people. But there's the the upside is that with uh, with a lot of power <laughs> comes a lot of responsibility <laughs> in the sense that this is a this is an app for serious calendar people, and mm. it's got. An option that it that it really makes it two options that really make it stand out. One, you can create templates for events. So if you have uh, a bunch of events that uh, reoccur over time, but you don't want to make them repeatable, so you want to say every time I tap the plus button, I want to choose from a template. I don't want this event to repeat on its own. I want to create it manually. Well, you can create templates. So you can pre-fill the title, you can pre-fill the location, the time, uh, the, the, the people that you invite, anything. You can create templates and it's really well done. And the second one is you can automatically highlight either with colors or even with emoji uh, events based on keywords in the title. So, yeah, yeah, for example, I have a a few physical therapy uh, events that I uh, put in my calendar. So when I do, uh, the, fr- the first thing that I do is I use a template because I'm talking to my therapist. We agree on a future date. So I bring up the template and it takes me a second to put it on my calendar. But also, uh, I have created a rule in week calendar to highlight the event with the, with the emoji of the running person. <laughs> so <laughs> when, I, when I see the running man emoji in my calendar, I know that at a glance, I can, I can recognize that there's a physical therapy coming up. So... You know, oh, and also I want to. I need to mention a third option, Fraser, which is Week Calendar also has support for travel time, um, mm-hmm. but in a different way. Which is there's an additional option available here, which is really smart, and I feel like other developers should take a look at this. So let's say that it's Thursday, and you have a few events next to each other, each one with a location. Week Calendar is the only app that I've found that it tells you. How long is going to take for you to drive from the previous event to the next one based on the location of the previous event? So let's say oh, okay. that I'm let's say that I'm in Rome and I have two events in Viterbo. Week calendar is is the only app that tells me once you're in Viterbo at the first event event it's going to take you ten minutes to get to the second mm. one. Instead, yeah, if I if I look at these two events from any other calendar app, it tells me the driving time from my current location, which would be in Rome. 
And I feel like this is the way it's supposed to be because we calendar knows that you're going to be at another location before anyway. So what's the point of giving you the travel time for the location that you're currently in, which is really intelligent. And uh, again, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense once you think about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, why doesn't every app do that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So the only, the only downside, uh, we calendar, uh, you know, it's that kind of app with a lot of options. It doesn't really look nice in places, but the week mm -hmm. view, which I mentioned earlier, uh, it's, uh, it's an iPhone week view and you can make the argument that it doesn't look sexy, but boy, does it show you a lot of events at once. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and sometimes that's what counts, right? Yeah, exactly. If you're a busy yeah. person, uh, and if you're, if you think of yourself as a calendar power user, you should take a look at Week Calendar, especially at the iPhone version. I can actually think of one really good use for that already, which is that uh, every year at the start of school, uh, I put in all my classes for the year into my calendar and, and the times that I have them at. But the thing is, our, the individual periods that we teach are not exactly on our boundaries and they're not always an hour long. Sometimes they're 50 minutes, sometimes they're 55 minutes. You know, so one goes from 9 to 9.55 and then 9.55 to 10.45 and so on and so on. So I can see myself using that just for even just like once a year at the start of the year to use those templates you know so i've got a period one class there's a template for period one it comes in at the right time and then i can fill it in in period two and so on so that and that's another really strength of the event kit system is that you can actually you could conceivably get a calendar app just for one week in the year where you set up a whole bunch of things that repeat all year and then maybe not use it again until the next year i i think fraser I know that this is not going to come as a surprise for you, but I need <laughs> I need to quickly mention Workflow again. Okay, here we go. Because one of the features of Workflow is integration with the with the with event kit, with the calendar framework uh, to automate event creation, uh, fetching details of events, deleting events from your calendar, and it's it really showcases how developers can integrate with the system framework to do a bunch of different things other than providing a standard calendar UI. So Workflow as a, a calendar section in the action library. Uh, in, the, in this section, you can find a few different calendar actions. And perhaps the most impressive one is the ability to get details from events. Uh, once you have an event, so you can fetch events from your calendar. And once you have an event or a collection of events, you can use get details to choose from a list uh, the kind of detail that you want to see. So for instance, let's say that you, with Workflow, you build a, a set of actions to get one of the events from your family calendar. And in that event, there's a location. And you want to be able to build a workflow that takes that event and gives you directions to that location with Google Maps. Because, of course, Apple doesn't support Google Maps uh, in the calendar app. Well, with workflow, all you need to do is really three actions. Get the event, get the location detail of the event, and get directions with Google Maps. And it takes a second to execute, and it's just one example of the many, many things that you can do with the, with the event kit integration in workflow. It's amazing. Really. And I feel yeah, like I, really cool. I'm repeating myself, but <laughs> seriously, go take a look at workflow and the calendar, the calendar stuff. It's really cool. And you can do date formatting. You can do date calculations. You can mix and match text with dates. It's, it's gosh, these guys. Yeah, I, I've done some scripting like that in Workflow as well, where I've used, um, I've created multiple OmniFocus tasks uh, spaced out over future times. And one of the features that I use in those scripts is, is the you know add 
time to date function in workflow where you take it you take your starting date and then you just continually add a week to it and create another event with that and with that and so on uh, so there's a lot of cool date calculation stuff in, in there as well i don't know that's necessarily part of event kit as much as just you know normal date calculations but it's part of the calendar section and that's definitely one of the kind of richer and more full featured parts of the whole workflow is all the things you can do with calendar so it's really cool uh, and definitely worth digging into as well I wanted just to mention really briefly at the end there, um, Apple Watch considerations. If you have an Apple Watch, I've uh, already said that I think the calendar feature in Apple Watch is one of the best things when you, when you put the calendar uh, right on your watch face. But because the, the Apple Watch calendar is essentially just another client of the Event Kit database, it doesn't matter. You know, it's not it's not like Apple Maps where if you don't use Apple Maps on your phone, you don't get the benefit of you know navigation features on your watch. If you whatever a calendar application you use your calendar complication will still show up with the right events at the right points on your watch as well. So basically what we're saying is have at it, you know, go for go for it, try all these different apps uh, and you know, find the one that works best for you. Yeah, I'm not really much of a user of calendar on my, on my Apple Watch, uh, especially because, you know, with problems with watchOS 2, which is why mm-hmm. I want to take a look again at uh, third-party apps and, and calendars with watchOS 3. Uh, I have watchOS 3 on my watch right now, um, it's much, much better than I was expecting for a first beta. And uh, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going to like my Apple Watch again because of WatchOS 3. And I don't want to be too optimistic right now, but I feel like there's a good chance. And calendars and uh, to-do lists also are two of the things that I want to reconsider on my Apple Watch. So I'm going to take a look again. Yeah, I've I've definitely paired in my Apple Watch to the apps that are genuinely very good even now on Apple Watch, and one of those is OmniFocus, of course. Um, I've been an OmniFocus user for a very long time and have been on and off it over the years, but I've been back on it for several years now, and it is one of the best um, Apple Watch apps. But my, my sense is that you have to be a really good developer to do a good Apple Watch app, um, because it seems to me that only the very the very highest end developers if you like omni group being one of those uh, are, are producing good watch os 2 apps and one of my hopes is that watch os 3 will make it a lot easier for the the vast majority of developers to do a fast responsive uh, apple watch app in the future good stuff so that is our show on calendaring with ios you can find the show notes for this show at relay.fm slash canvas slash 14 you can connect with us at underscore canvas fm on twitter i'm fraser spears Federico is Vitici, and we will see you in two weeks' time.